to me that's sort of the first step right is that you have to at least be willing to accept some sort of so what what I've talked about before is it I've called it radical authenticity mm -hmm. and it's just kind of a catchy phrase that to me is about um, facing reality just being authentic learning how to identify problems mm -hmm. and being being willing to accept those welcome to thriving the future podcast where we're finding positive solutions to thrive in the tough times ahead Welcome back to Thriving the Future. In this episode, Perpin and I sit around the room talking with Yardbird about a lot of variety of topics, including the history of the podcast. We also talk about Yardbird's view of radical authenticity and his philosophy garden idea. So what's going on with the podcast? So um, you're thinking about changing format or... Yeah, and so get some other voices, mm -hmm. right? And then um, it'll give us some more opportunity to get some other perspectives and stuff like that. Yeah, I'd also like to start involving some more folks in the group, right, on the Telegram group and things, mm -hmm. and, and seeing which direction. What, what do you want to hear? What, how do you want this group to go? Yeah, the whole idea was that, and I was really frustrated with not only that, but the extra community, right? So, right, we've seen with since COVID that everybody has kind of gone more towards the prepper compound. That's all anybody wants, except Jim, right? Jim, Jim still wanted the permaculture, you know, review of his property, but almost everybody else wants the prepper compound to come in and teach me how to build 150% of my of my stuff, of my own food. So me and my prepper buddies can bug out here, right? You know, so everything was moving that way and then everybody just shares everybody else's content. So what I wanted to have was, A, let's start looking at positive solutions and then have a Telegram group where you share your wins and your losses and your, and your you know, your lessons learned rather than just the meme of the day or sharing somebody else's conspiracy theory or whatever else. Right, because that's all the Telegram groups that we've been in have turned to. Mm -hmm. So we had our own conspiracy theory group over there, and then they all became that. And you know, so it was like, um, and that was the that was the main push to to get so it's unique. Plus, we were having conversations, and you and I have had conversations, or all of us have had conversations that uh, are different. You're not hearing this kind of content on the usual suspects right and because they all pretty much sound the same for the most part mm -hmm. they're either way off in this way or they're all prepper based right the the problem is that we like so within conspiracy type sharing of information it becomes conspiratainment mm -hmm. same with like all of the prepper or disaster entertainment it's just like People get an adrenaline rush from the mm -hmm. from the fear or fear-based based programming, and right. And then what we said was, it's even goes beyond that because they say, "Hey, 
somebody's doing this and uh, instead of going down there and doing it themselves, they post on it and they get the, the dopamine hit and then they think they did something. And then I got in a big argument on this uh, one um, Telegram group I was in because they were posting all this stuff. And I said, okay, so you're posting all this stuff. What are you doing? What are you doing about it? Mm -hmm. And they got mad and almost kicked me off. And that was similar to what we did in the, the main group there, right? <laughs> it's like, hey, you're going to get kicked off here if, you know, if this is supposed to be to get you hooked up so that you can have community and that you can start making a difference, right? No, no, this is my replacement for Facebook and Twitter. Mm -hmm. No, that's not what it's supposed to be. Quit quit censoring me. Go away. Okay, I'm going away. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right? Right. And so then, so, so you're saying that's not your target audience. So the... Right. the so the target audience is the people that um, are disgusted with that or or you're filling a different gap, right? You're filling a positive, um, you're, you're filling a positive message rather than just the, the scare part, right? Mm -hmm. And then n not only filling the why, but the, uh, but then getting more to the how, mm -hmm. right? And the workshops tie into that, the whole, the, the whole thing about um, what do you need to do and how can you, how can you share your skills? Right. Instead of buying more stuff, instead of buying two is one and one is none, is three and more and four is whatever, you know, then uh, then it's, do you even know how to use this stuff? <laughs> right. So, and then how do you go from identifying what the problem is to t accepting or taking some sort of personal responsibility, deciding that you need to do something about the way the world is, the current condition of our culture, society, and then taking a positive action. How do you go from some, from problem, identifying identifying the problem, and then going to solution? Right. And maybe, so maybe this is the first, uh, in order to take that step, in order to take personal responsibility, Right. The first step is, of course, identifying the problem, because mm -hmm. that's what we talked about when you guys first came in, and I was ranting about the the old hippies at the rainbow gathering who are, you know, are caught in delusion. It's a liberal sort of mindset. They and I know a bunch of these people personally that are that go to the rainbow gathering. They've, you know, gone for. 30 or 40 years <laughs> and um, and the second uh, COVID hit and the NPR told them that everybody was you know gonna die from a, some some disease and they had to isolate and wear masks that's what they did and they went into complete isolation mm -hmm. from everybody in the community sure and so to me, that's the first step is to ident you're going to have to have a filter mechanism to or um, so so me personally, I have a, I have a big problem with all of the the people caught in delusion. And so this is kind of part of my spiritual journey is 
learning how to find this balance between um, between mercy or compassion and and justice or truth. So, so compassion. So this uh, this balance between compassion and truth, because I have zero patience for everybody that's caught in delusion that they're on the masking train. They're caught it. So to me, that's sort of the first step. Right. Is that you have to at least be willing to accept some sort of so what what I've talked about before is it I've called it radical authenticity mm-hmm. and it's just kind of a catchy phrase that to me is about um, facing reality just being authentic learning how to identify problems mm-hmm. and being being willing to accept those because I've also talked about people in my own family who um, who when I first sort of had my personal awakening awakening and kind of realization of the greater problems that are um, happening on a on a global scale, some all the things outside of my personal sphere of influence, and like all this stuff is going on, and you know how do you know for for example like nine eleven the right. COVID, the conspiracy aspects of, of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got to a point where I decided that there there is an influence on, on government that um, is not working the way we're told it's supposed to work in school. Sure. And so what is that influence? And I did, so I didn't find all that problem. And so then what we were talking about is, well, okay, so all of, um, when we were talking about who, you know, who your audience is, and um, it's also not all the people who start, who then recognize what the problem is, and then want to stay stay stuck in that mm-hmm. in that cycle of that fear cycle and aren't interested in taking personal responsibility or doing anything about it they just want to watch the yeah it's entertainment yeah yeah watch the show uh-huh would you call it conspiracy entertainment or conspiro entertainment oh uh, conspiratainment conspiratainment yeah that's great <laughs> I mean, the first filter almost has to be money. The first filter is money? Yes. Huh, okay. Pay to be a part of the group. Not because I value money, but because they value money. Right. That is the investment people are willing to make. Mm-hmm. So that is the one you have to let them make. That's your first filter. If you are not going to pay me, you do not get to really talk to me. Hmm. Is that, that, that that has worked for everybody that's tried it? Why is that? And is it proof of work, or is it something more than that? 
it changes the way people engage. Right? If I can just create another Twitter account and harass you when you block me, if I can just debate and yell and scream at you and distract you, right? But when you're paying, it's like only people that have given me something they value get to be a part of this conversation. Right. And it changes their mindset because they're like, well, do I want to lose the $50 I've put into this this year? Do I want to lose that? If I lose that, can I get back in here? Is this group providing anything of value that's over that? And if they are, they don't want to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. And so they engage differently. They don't troll as much. They aren't going to just post memes. They're either going to listen or they're going to give valuable things or they're going to ask serious questions. Right. Plus you have it some isn't cost. A play, it's another, not another place to just taunt and pick on somebody or show off to get the guy in charge or the guy we perceive as in charge opinion and approval and serve our own vainglory. Mm-hmm. Right. And you have some cost fallacy where I've paid for this so you know I... I better get something out of it, right. but I better participate also, but, right? Because uh, because I've put money into it, right? And when that money is going to actually pay for the platform that you're in, mm-hmm. and that money is also causing other people to not be poking at people and causing debates, fights, and just posting memes, then. That reinforces the behavior. Mm-hmm. And that becomes your first filter. Right. Interesting. So here's a, an example that I have. When I, so I was involved with community activism for mm-hmm. kind of the, the past 10 years. Uh, one of the things I did is I set up a meetup group. It was a free your mind meetup group. Sure. And based in Kansas City, so it was for the Kansas City area, and I had over a thousand people that were signed up for the meetup group, and so that's a huge kind of audience of people who said they were interested in the topics that I listed, the events and workshops that I was putting on, and then when I would hold a a workshop or an event, there might be five people that showed up, or there might be 10 or 15, but 10 of them were my friends. <laughs> and they were showing up to support me. They weren't there because they were necessarily, you know, they were just engaging in the, the relationship. Right. right. They weren't really interested in anything, in improving and uh, taking positive steps uh, to fix the problems that, mm-hmm. that I saw. And I think that's kind of where you have to have a second filter. And so I've hung out in these groups where you have to pay to get in to watch because I'm trying to find that second filter. And I've determined the second filter is, do you believe and act consistently with the fact there is an objective truth? I cannot have a conversation that goes anywhere with anyone that doesn't believe in objective truth. So how do you filter that? How do you gauge that? How do you query that? People tell you. Oh, okay, okay. Right? Right. Everybody's excited because Twitter is going to become a place where anybody can say anything they want. That means that anything everybody says is now instantly equally valuable. Mm-hmm. That's not a true proposition. Right. And some of that is good conversation, some of that's bad conversation. But they've said everything is equally valued. They have said you can be whatever you identify as. 
So we have people identifying as birds. We have people identifying as cats, cats and <laughs> dogs. And we have litter pans going in classrooms. Um, <clears throat> that's where the world is going. The world is going to removing objective truth. Right. That's where people want to go. To me, that is chaos. And it denies fundamental reality that there is a truth. And so people engaging in that automatically filter themselves out. Because they're not going to pay one to be a part of my group. But inside my group, every time you say something like there's objective truth, they start arguing with you. And we've seen this in groups where we are. Where we'll say, what is the most important thing, right? And they'll say this one day and they'll say that the other day. Or they'll say and bait and get you in this playful debate, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I just started going, okay, I won't talk to that person anymore. I will not respond to comments they make personally. Sure. If they ask me a question or they engage me personally, I will engage. But I'm not going to invest a lot of time in it because I'm going to go back into this circle of, well, it just really depends. When you ask, what do you want? And they tell you, I want to live on a farm that grows beef. Or has animals, but then they're a vegetarian. They're telling you what they think other people want, not what they want. Hmm. Or they're telling you what you want to hear. Or what they think I want to hear. Sure. And those people then get filtered out. And the more you talk to those people, what you'll find out is they don't have a basis in truth. Okay. So you can start asking specific questions or stating specific things like, I am pursuing truth. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've probably both seen me do that hundreds of times by now, right? My goal is to pursue truth and engage reality in a harmonious, ethical, moral way, right? And there will be responses to that. And if you listen carefully, most of them are saying, but how do you determine truth? And when you say, when I see a thing and you see a thing and these people say a thing, the common parts of that are possibly more true than the other things. We do know that if you drop a penny in this room, it's going to hit the floor because of gravity, right? Right. Gravity is an objective truth. You can get people to argue with you when you start having the conversation that way because it's a metaphor, and so they'll start trying to stretch the metaphor. And as people are trying to stretch it out instead of say, yes, that's a principle, they really believe in objective truth. And you start listening and looking at where do you see the objective truth or where are you trying to say objective truth is not, mm -hmm. they will tell it to you. Okay. And you just start going, okay, this is not where my energy goes. And that's, so that's fair. Um, but one of the problems that I have is, I, I so I have one of two problems, okay? Because yeah. I, I would love to connect with people who believe in objective truth and also want to do something positive about it and want to live in a better society a better way and so I have I have two problems and I don't know what they are so one is critical mass <laughs> do I have a critical mass problem because because there aren't enough people who believe in objective truth in my area or do I have a marketing problem I'm not attracting the people and uh, and I'm not doing that right because I would love to have people come and stay here and by you know share share my vision of having uh, what I would call like a 
a philosophy garden, an alchemical laboratory on this property that can explore who we are as humans and live live and be and and enjoy life and and run a homestead where we're raising animals and growing food and growing medicine. So what a, what does a philosophy garden? That's an awesome term. What does that uh, dive into that a little bit more? So the philosophy garden is in in my so it goes back to um, Taoist philosophy, Taoist gardens, and these you can see these examples in the Chinese gardens where they, you know, with with a typical Chinese Chinese or Oriental garden where they have. Um, set up the gardens as a window into kind of a natural a natural setting a natural way of, of just observing and being in harmony with nature oh okay I thought you meant that the philosophy garden would be the interaction between the folks you know mm-hmm. rather yeah okay you're talking so it works about, on different levels right, right? okay that's so maybe on the level that I'm thinking of yes I would be observing people and how they interact and how how the ecosystem on the homestead works and interacts and the people are part of that ecosystem how do we how do we mesh how do we work and mm-hmm. how do you you know yeah improve how, how do you improve your health how do you improve the gardens and the food that you're eating? Right. It's all super interconnected, and we have this little microcosm on this five-acre homestead with cows and a small vegetable garden and herb, various herb gardens. Sure. And you know, kind of, an, and we're sitting in a library. I have all kinds of resources on herb processing and gardening and permaculture and um, you name it. Right. And so, so you then, need more hands or or more hearts and minds? So, 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 so the, the garden provides the environment. Do people become part of the environment? Yeah. And then philosophy grows from that because you're in a place where everybody's trying to find objective truth and uh-huh. reality. Okay. And out of that grows the philosophy that you build as you meditate on just that whole thing moving and being, right? Okay. It's an experiment in culture. It's what we've lost. Like we've, our culture, not that we don't have a culture now, but the culture that we have in Western society in the the U.S. is dysfunctional. It's severely dysfunctional. Right. And we have consumption, right? I mean, people don't even have conversations like this, right? They don't sit. It's very rare. And be quiet and not be quiet, but, you know, in a quiet environment and just share, right? Or listen and observe. And I really like that about the cultural capital episode we did was the the stories, the songs, and the rituals. Getting back to that, how can we grow the, the stories? And that's one of the things that I really like about what we were talking about, about taking a new direction is... Is getting more into those stories like, like this. This is this is awesome. So let, let's take a step back. It's one of the things that 
this podcast is for me is partially that philosophy garden, right? It's an <laughs> environment where we engage these people, we try and find them, we explore some ideas, we learn what we learn. How or what was the process that brought you to the realization that there was a influence over the system so it wasn't working as we were told in high school and brought you to this place because part of that is the answer in how we find the people we're looking for. It won't apply exactly right, but that process, some part of that process we're missing to get other people started on it to pull them to it, Mm -hmm. right? So that's a frustrating question for me. Because for me personally, that's a 20-year process. And it was not comfortable, I'm sure. It, it was multi-year for me, and it was not fun in any way, shape, or form. Right. Yeah. And so what started that for me was I had I had a friend in, in my late 20s. So just to give a... a background like I like you said like I grew up in a traditional you know uh, suburban Mm -hmm. suburban house and went to school and went went to public school went to university and um, got a job in in you know corporate America and then got a house and a mortgage and started my family um, and in that journey, so, um, I had, I had never, in that entire process, I had never really started reading anything for myself. And the, I had always read what teachers had assigned or what somebody else said, here, read this. this yeah. or, and so the one thing that got me back to starting that journey was a friend in my late 20s who said uh, what are you reading because we were just having a conversation like us we were talking about philosophy and Mm -hmm. kind of political a lot of you know political stuff of the day which you know and 20 years ago I think we happened to be talking about maybe capital punishment and then also abortion (laughs) <laughs> not a new conversation. Oh. <laughs> no, it's not a new conversation. Really? It's been happening for Talk about uh, that. quite a quite a while. So <laughs> and he and he just stopped and he said, Well what because I think he kind of recognized something in my in whatever it was that I was saying. He's like, Oh well this is interesting. Like the thoughts that you're having are are fairly interesting. What are you reading? And the question threw me. It completely threw me because you know, I, it made me think about first of all, where am I getting my information from, and then you know, what am I reading? How how am I bringing this into me? And what kinds of information am I am I reading about? And so it was at that point that I actually started reading for the first time. Started reading things that I was interested in, and that I picked, and that what I was interested, you know, that I wanted to read. And, and that's completely different. It is completely different, and it started out to be mainstream books, and and all of the things that I was reading were fiction or nonfiction because I, that just that's my preference is nonfiction, mm-hmm. but it was all kind of mainstream stuff. But that's where I started, and then from there, 
from there, who knows what it was? You know, it was an interest in, it was interested in, you know, politics, and it was in interest in, you know, I read a book um, on vaccines in 2001. There was a book, Evidence of Harm, by John Kirby, that was all about vaccine and the vaccine um, um, policies right. that led to a whole bunch of children getting sick. Mm-hmm. And then the cover-up and the and and the midnight um, law that was passed through Congress about that got rid of all liability from pharmaceutical companies. Yeah. And that that was a little over, you know. And that book came out a little over two decades ago. Yeah. It seems like yesterday to me, <laughs> but doesn't it? <laughs> You mean they're doing the same things? <laughs> it's like it's kind of like when you start listening to a long YouTube video, and it's over, and you go, "Oh, that was a three-hour video." Only it's time because you're not following the mainstream source of information anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then it's like. I've seen the problem so long and it's just becoming more and more clear and every time I get a check-in with where everybody else is, it's like, oh, that felt like it went really fast, but that took years to get to that point. Mm -hmm. It's kind of where I am with the podcast at this point is we have covered the first part of my life and how I got here, what's relevant, right? Right. And I haven't lived the rest of it yet. Mm-hmm. Right? That only took, what, six months or so? year? Yep. Half six months? Yeah, six months, yeah. Yeah. So in that, that is the conversation. So that's treating, uh, rather than, so this is kind of one of the problems that goes back to, like this book that I was looking at earlier, the, the Unsettling of America by Wendell Berry. And in that book, he talks about... Um, he so he, he talks about the the cultural problem as being rather than having a conversation with nature like this the societal problem that we have is we're in competition basically he's identifying one of the problems as a competition with nature rather than having a conversation hmm. And so a natural process is through conversation. And then this conversation is what allows you to observe and interact with nature, be aware of it, observe it. Um, and then those same kinds of conversations happen with, there's the analog in personal relations is having conversations in order to advance Um, to move forward in order to move forward so you're moving forward from so the next step for you is this conversation and you know where you, where do you go from here yeah interesting it is to continue the conversation and start bringing more people into it and then that goes back to my other question which was do we have a critical mass problem or do we have a marketing problem both I think it starts as a as a marketing problem. 
Well, I don't know. I think we yeah. narrow. We might have narrowed the the customer base too much, or people said, "I'm not their customer." That's really. a critical mass no, 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 problem. No. Is it? So, if you're narrowing the customer, so we have a filter filtering mechanism. Yeah. So, sure. what Perkman is talking about, uh, like, okay, you have people that are say they're interested in topic. And then you use money as a filtering mechanism to mm -hmm. filter out everybody mm -hmm. else who are really interested I, I, and engaged. So and then so that's so that's a that's a critical mass problem. If you don't have enough people that want to pay for whatever it is to I, pay to be human or to advance or have to have this conversation, yeah, then you've got no intrinsic value. Then where you go? But Perkins says it's. I, a, I think I think I think it's that. I think it's a marketing problem. Because if you really think about it, people that are where we're at are trying to build a philosophy garden for themselves, whatever that looks like. Mm -hmm. They're spending less and less time on podcasts. They're spending less and less time on social media. Hmm. So they're not even hearing about what we're doing. Even if they would make an exception and engage with our content, we're not talking to where they are because they're not in the places where we're talking yet. How do you find those people? I can tell you the marketing answer that I don't like, but it's really based on getting people that are already interested and serious about what we're discussing to talk to the individuals that they know and spread the message that this is a place that could be the central hub that we organize. That, that we meet the other people. We are all filtering people. This is this is what I have found where the answer might be, so let's have a conversation there, right? Mm -hmm. And them passing that on to the people they know that may or may not fit eventually creates that gathering of people that hits that critical mass. I think and also taking it to the next... So right now they're consuming. I'm consuming, consuming, consuming. I might get on your telegram group and write a post right or uh, or say hey that was a good episode whatever mm -hmm. right but there's still it's that one-way relationship right figure out some way to engage them so it's not just that one way relationship and then there's more perceived value that it's not it's not just it's not just a podcast right but you've got a community you've got maybe it's an online community but you know you've got a community that has that philosophy garden that I'm not getting on XYZ platform or whatever else, right? What do you the, 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 there's that, but people don't seem to be answering the questions, right? Mm -hmm. I kind of ask questions like, what are you reading? Right. Mm -hmm. But you get no engagement. That's because people aren't reading anything. <laughs> That's but, but, but they're listening to podcasts, they're reading posts, they're reading the internet, they're not reading, reading, right? Like books. I've met a lot of people that are reading books. Lately. Yeah, right? Right. Sure. And it's a completely different mindset that they have. Correct. So people are reading, mm -hmm. books are selling, mm -hmm. But I'm not asking, I was using that as a metaphor for the type of questions I ask, right? I'm asking all kinds of different questions that kind of point to that. Where's your information coming from? Where are you getting it? What are you doing? 
Okay. I'm doing this, and you can't get engagement mm-hmm. most of the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For me, that that question happened 20 years ago. Are you right. are you patient enough? Are you willing to wait 20 years for those people to? Would you to to come to come to a point where they they want to engage in change in society and culture? So for me, there are two parts of that question. There and one of them, one of them is simply the which is the critical mass problem, which is people simply aren't suffering enough. Mm. The, there's too much. Um, there's. The life has become a little too comfortable. Um, that you know. Would you say that's by let's design? See, let's see. That's the whole thing. During COVID, people yes. were interested in making a change until they got their job on the line, and then some of them said, "I'm not doing this," and then they caved, right? Um, and then when the pressure's off. They, they, they revert back to the yeah. They're, they're, and they're we gone. never heard of them again from them yeah. again. And then likewise, but the interesting thing on the other end is that right now our gas prices are going up and we're getting the screws and you know they're forcing austerity mm-hmm. because the the folks that are doing that in government and you know whatever are think that if they force that austerity and that struggle. Then on the other side, when we reach that Star Trek future, then they'll be declared the humor or the heroes, right? Not the humors, the heroes. Right. And uh, um, so it's it's we had COVID. Folks started to change. Mm-hmm. The um, the noose around the neck was loosened a little bit, right? But now we're going into and this is and this is the thing about the podcast is that. We're acknowledging that, you know, things are, there's tough times ahead, you know, and, and people are going, no, no, we're winning. We won this thing the other day, right? And uh, we won this thing two weeks ago or, you know, or whatever else. And, and that's, but the trend is, you know, tough times are ahead. What are you going to do about it? We're not in the 1980s. We don't have cheap energy. We don't, mm-hmm. you know, we, there's enough, there's enough change where we've mined our land, we've mined our resources, we've mined our human resources, you know, where we're paying the piper to some extent. That's not a, that's not a, um, and you're just a climate change dude, no, we're, it, it, it's, that's a systemic thing. I mean, you know, we're at a change in empire, we're at the fourth turning. What are you going, you know, you almost can't ignore it anymore, right? So the cultural... Sure. Well, yes, you <laughs> we can. can. You can ignore it for a long time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and people do. Right. So, in my life, so I can speak to in my lifetime, we are in a cultural decline. Mm-hmm. And one of the problems is that we have a whole bunch of people who are saying we're in collapse. In every crisis that happens, right. they say we're in collapse. And it brings it really ramps up the fear, and people, it, it suffering can be real. Mm-hmm. You know, we're gonna have real economic hardships, whatever, like whatever the latest crisis is. Sure. And and that hurts, and it brings it shocks people and brings them out, and then 
once that pressure is released, then it and then they, they go back. So and part of that is part of the, that is that cycle of the crisis cycle and the fear kind of the fear mongering over amplifies what the actual problem is. And so it's so that's where you get the people who are who are saying that society is collapsing. It, it's, again, it goes back the the crisis, and then once the crisis is gone, then people kind of revert back. And so then trying, there are a few people who don't revert back, but it's a rare few. But it, it, it so how do you connect with those people? And I, I, I think it's a balance between I'm willing to answer that question and I'm willing to wait 20 years for people to come around. But in the meantime, I have to find maybe the two or three that are ready to move on because my stagnating can't be an option. Well, or, or GSD while you're waiting. Yeah, yeah, well, and one of the... But, 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 but to GSD while I'm waiting still requires people to GSD with. That, for, for, from where I am at, I can't go forward alone. Okay. Right? And, and, then, and then what I'm realizing is most people are still in a place where they see that as a possibility. They're not at a place where they can see they can't go alone. Okay. So, so and one of, the, one of the podcasts that you guys recorded a kind of address that issue and I I can't remember exactly which one it was but you basically said I'm going to build the community the uh, even if it's a community of one I'm going to build this myself and and I'm going to create it and then let people let people come to me yeah I'm not waiting I'm 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 making yeah. it myself. And you can come along and get on board. That's a very lonely process. Thank you for listening to the Thriving the Future podcast. Check us out on the web on thrivingthefuture.com. Also, come and join our conversation on Twitter at thrivingthefute. In this episode, Yardbird talks about the philosophy garden. So one of the things he's been generous to do is to provide an essay on what the philosophy garden means to him. So I've included it on the website, thrivingthefuture.com. We're also moving towards providing more content than just a podcast. You can join our Telegram group. Now it's restricted to the point where you know we're not going to get spammers in there. You request it through the website um, by adding your email address or giving your email address. On the Telegram group, we focus on what's your wins and losses, what's your positive stories, what what are your story songs and rituals that build that cultural capital. So jump over to the thriveinthefuture.com site. You could see Yardbird's Philosophy Garden essay and come and join us on our Telegram group.